This is Tailgate Till May, part of the Believe Podcast Network. If you love college sports and you like to have a little action on the games, then this is the place for you because I'm your host, Stephen Gorgie, and I love both of those things too. I'm excited to be back for another episode, and for the first time in a long time, this is going to be an all-college hoops episode. So let's get right into it because we are in the heat of conference play right now we have another big saturday of conference action and we're gonna break it all down right here before we do that just a reminder you can find me on social media twitter instagram tiktok whatever at gorgon sports the same handle everywhere so hit me up there Okay, let's get right into this thing, and let's start with the early games, the noon games on Saturday, and we'll start with the clear-cut number one best conference in the country. That's the Big 12 this week. Eight teams in the AP Top 25. That was double the next closest league the SEC had four. The Big 12 had eight. Top to bottom, this league is unbelievable, And we have another big one in number nine Baylor going to Austin to take on Texas at noon Eastern time on Saturday. And Texas needs this one in a really big way. They're coming off a home loss against UCF where they blew a 15 point lead in the second half. They had a terrible last 15 minutes of the game. And then after the game, what kind of made all the waves, what made the news on this game was that Texas head coach Rodney Terry was scolding UCF players in the handshake line for throwing up that horns down sign. Now to me, this situation with horns down always reminds me of what my mom told me as a kid. If my little sister was annoying me, if somebody was annoying me doing something over and over again, uh, but mostly my sister, who big listener of the podcast, so shout out to her, Pamela would annoy me by doing something over and over again. And my mom would say, if you don't like it, don't let her see how much that bothers you. If she doesn't see how much it bothers you, then she'll stop. If she doesn't think it bothers you, then she'll stop. This is the same thing to me with this Texas team and this whole horns down thing, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, softball, whatever. When Texas people get upset about horns down, it makes everybody across the country want to throw up that horns down sign more because they know it bothers them. If Texas fans, Texas coaches, Texas players, whatever, just ignored it, I'm pretty sure it would still go on, but it would stop to some extent, and it wouldn't be such a big deal. Steve Sarkeesian, the football coach, talked a ton throughout the season about embracing the hate. My advice to Texas would be embrace the hate, embrace the fact that Opposing fans, opposing players want to celebrate a win over Texas by throwing up that horns down, horns down sign. So either embrace it, ignore it, but you can't keep making such a big deal about it. And that's my thoughts on that. Back to the basketball court, though. 
Texas desperately needs a win because they are one in three to start Big 12 play here. They're tied with West Virginia at one and three right down there at the bottom of the Big 12 standings. Only Oklahoma State is behind them at 0 and four. And Texas, a team that came into this year with a lot of t- a lot of hype, was in the top 25 at times this year, was coming off a really wild year where Uh, Head coach Chris Beard was dismissed. Rodney Terry took over on an interim basis, then was named the head coach. And they ultimately ended up going to an elite eight where they lost to Miami. But it was uh, uh, ultimately ended up being a really nice tournament run. They won the Big 12 tournament and it was a tumultuous year. But the on-court results in March were very, very good. And then you look and they bring back they lose some pieces from this te- from that team, but they brought back uh, some pieces as well, and they added to it. So Dylan DeSue, uh, one of their one of their uh, bigs in that lineup, comes back this season. They add a guy in Max Aismas, who a lot of people around the country knew from his NCAA tournament heroics at Oral Roberts. Yeah, that's where he kind of made a name for himself really in 2021 when they went on that run to the Sweet 16 and he was a highly coveted transfer. So there was some hype around this team and what they brought back and what they could be this year. And it's been disappointment after disappointment for them. You look at the games Texas has played against teams in the Ken Palm top 50. We'll just let's keep it the top 50 for now. First off, they've only played three or four teams in the Ken Palm top 50, and they're one in three in those games. They lost to UConn, they lost to Marquette, they lost to Texas Tech, and they beat Cincinnati uh, with on a, on a Max Aismas game winner. So against a really good competition, they've been a little bit lacking. They need some big time wins to up their tournament resume, and they'll have a big chance this weekend against Baylor, against a really good Baylor team, a Baylor team that seems like they could be one of the contenders for the Big 12 championship. Texas is number 65 in the net right now. I know it's a little bit early for the bracketology and the bubble watch and the net ratings, but I think it's still worth looking at here. 65 in the net right now, one in two in quad one games, one in two in quad two games, and one in one in quad three games. And I think there, and that, that quad three loss was to West Virginia on the road. So it has not been a good start to conference play for Texas. And they have a huge opportunity to right the ship with Baylor coming into town because it doesn't get any easier for them over the next couple of weeks. After this Baylor game, they go on the road to Oklahoma. They go on the road to BYU. They have Houston at home, and they go on the road to TCU. So three of their next four are on the road against top 25 Ken Palm teams. And the one home game after this one is against Houston, the number one Ken Palm team in the country, the number, what are they now in the in the AP rankings, the number five team in the AP rankings. And then this home game that we're talking about right here is against a Baylor team. That's really, really good. Number nine in the AP poll, uh, number 15 in Ken Palm right now. So Texas needs to turn things around and turn things around quickly. Now on the other side of things for Baylor, 
Baylor is a, a very intriguing team to me because I think that Baylor is a team that can win the Big 12. They are a team that can do damage in March. And the reason I say that is because I think this Baylor team is about as good as last year's when it comes to scoring. They can really fill it up. Uh, they can shoot from the outside, but it's better defensively. And if you look at the start of Big 12 play for Baylor, they're 3-1, and one, and their lone loss was an overtime loss on the road to Kansas State, a game where they had a lead in the second half, a game where they had a five-point lead in overtime and couldn't quite close the deal. So the thing with this Baylor team to me is I think they can win in more ways. They don't have to win every game in a shootout. And you'll look at their stats in conference play so far. You look at their three-point shooting in conference play, and they really haven't shot the ball particularly well. Under 26% from beyond the arc in conference play, only ahead of Iowa State, who shot the three at 21.7%. So Baylor, you think about Baylor, you think about a team that's a great three-point shooting team on the year, they're 41.6% second in the nation, but they haven't done it that well in Big 12 play, but yet they're three and one, with uh, wins over BYU and Cincinnati are the two notable wins there. Their third is against Oklahoma State. It was a game on the road that they had to escape. And the Cincinnati win stands out to me because this is a game that was played in the low 60s. They win this one 62 to 59. In the game, they go 25% from three, five of 20, but they were able to win a game like that. And that's what I think is interesting around the, about this Baylor team. I think that they are a a little bit more rounded, well-rounded, a little bit better defensively. And the fact that they're winning without shooting the lights out is really encouraging to me. I also think it's interesting that, you know, they're a young team. When you look at some of the key contributors on this team, they have a wing, Jacoby Walter, who's been a huge contributor to them, really good. And their big man, Eve Missy, Eve Missy, has been are really good as well. These are guys who I think can continue to grow and develop over the course of the season. And I, I'm really interested in this Baylor team. I think this is an interesting spot for them and something, uh, a spot where we can learn a lot about Baylor, where they're going on a road on the road against a desperate team, a desperate but talented team and a team that hasn't been playing particularly well. They're a one point favorite in this one. And it would, say a lot to me if they go and are able to get a win. Uh, so Baylor is a team I'm certainly keeping my eye on right now. It's a, like I said, it's Baylor minus one. I think this one is just a stay away for me because of the kind of unpredictability of Texas, the desperation spot they're in. I don't think they're, they've been very good this year, but this feels like if you bet Baylor here, it feels a bit like a, a selling, a selling low spot on Texas. Uh, it's going to be a stay away from me, but it's one I'm really interested in watching. I want to see, can Baylor get a big win like this on the road and, and really say, Hey, we are a team that even if you're desperate, we're going to take care of business and really establish themselves as one of the top three or four teams in the Big 12. And then for Texas, they need, desperately need this win to get back into any sort of tournament 
conversation and right the ship. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching that one. The next game at the noontime slot that I am watching, I am betting as well. And as we talk about betting here, I should give you my record. I was much better about doing that during the college football season. Maybe that's because I was uh, on such a heater there. But nevertheless, I want to give you my record. Uh, it hasn't been the greatest start. It hasn't been a terrible start. But on the year, I am 19 and 19 on my men's college basketball bets down one unit for the season. So looking to get on the right side of the ledger here. And my first bet for Saturday is going to be at noon and it's number 18 Creighton going to Seton hall. I am going to take Seton hall, the surprise team of the year in the biggie, certainly maybe in the country. I am going to take them plus two in this game and Seton hall. What a year for them. They are riding high right now. They've won five games in a row, five Big East games in a row. They sit at six and one in the conference, tied for first place with UConn. And you look, going into the year, this conference was all about UConn, Creighton, Marquette. Those were the big three. Those were the three that we were talking about. So to be sitting here in mid to end of January with UConn at six and one, Seton Hall at six and one as the two teams at the top is really, really impressive and really surprising for Seton Hall. Uh, Seton Hall, what they do really well is they get after it on the offensive board. It's one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country. And this year, They've beaten UConn at home. They've beaten Marquette at home. Now they're going for their third against those big three. In that UConn game, they had a 50% offensive rebounding rate. So that means of all of the possible shots that went up that missed, the offensive rebounds they could have gotten, they grabbed 14 offensive rebounds, which was half of the available offensive rebounds to them. Now, they do turn the ball over a lot, but they make up for it with that offensive rebounding. And uh, in that game, you know, th th this is a game Donovan Klingon did play, um, and Seton Hall still was able to grab grab all those uh, offensive rebounds. Now, Creighton is a, a good defensive rebounding team. Creighton uh, has uh, Ryan Kalkbrenner in the post. They have Bailey Shireman, and it's going to be a, a challenge for Seton Hall in this one. But if you look at the game, Creighton just played against UConn earlier this week. UConn had a field day on the offensive glass against them, grabbing 21 offensive rebounds with for a 45% offensive rebound rate. So I like Seton Hall at home in this one. They seem like a great home team. Uh, not they seem, they are a great home team. When you beat UConn and you beat Marquette at home, you are a great home team. Uh, I, I like the way that this team is playing. Their, their big man, Jaden Bediaco, is one of the best offensive rebounders in the country. He's the, he's the one who kind of leads the way for them when it comes to offensive rebounding. And I like them to pick up another home win here against Creighton and move to 7-1 and one in the Big East. So I don't see a money line yet. I am going to take Seton Hall plus two 
in this one, though. And I'm just trying to look here if that game that they played, uh, if they played uh, against UConn was the game where Donovan Klingon did get hurt. Yeah, it is. So that game they played against Seton Hall, the game UConn played against Seton Hall, is the game where Donovan Klingon got hurt. So, of course, that does contribute to it to some extent. uh, But they did still rebound really well in that game during the time that 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 Klingon was in the game. So, you know, um, take that with a grain of salt a, a, a little bit, their performance against UConn there. But it wasn't just that game. They've been doing it all year long. I like them to continue to do it. I love the home court advantage here for Seton Hall. So give me the Pirates plus two in this early slot. Another game I'm betting at the noon time slot is Wake Forest minus 15 against Louisville. And look, this one is simple. I really like this Wake Forest team. I really like this Wake Forest team at home. I think they're a, a fantastic offensive team. They're really efficient. Uh, again, especially at home. I think a lot of these teams, and this is kind of a common trend with some of the mid-tier teams in college basketball, things can change drastically for them at home and on the road. And I just think Wake Forest is one of those teams. But the strength of this team is offense. Uh, They are a good three-point shooting team. They can bomb it from deep. They're shooting 38% on the year. When they get to the free throw line, they knock down their free throws. You look at the game they played a couple weeks ago, and this is one where I bet them uh, was against Virginia, and they took Virginia to the woodshed. They beat Virginia 66-47 at home. I like this as a home team. I think Louisville is clearly one of the worst teams in the country. They're six and 11. They give up 80 points to everybody. Uh, they, They gave up 86 to North Carolina midweek. They gave up 89 to NC state last Saturday. They give up 80 points to everybody. So give me wake forest. I know it's a big line there, but I think wake covers give me wake minus 15 at home. At 1 o'clock, a game I am not betting, but I am super interested in, is San Diego State taking on a Boise State. And if you're not paying attention to the Mountain West this season, you really should be. They have one, two, three, four, five teams in the Ken Palm top 25 right now. Boise, or in the top 50, I should say, right now. Boise State just outside that 50 at number 56. I would, I would say... Of the leagues on the West Coast right now, the Pac-12 and the Mountain West, I would rather watch the Mountain West than the Pac-12 at the moment. Uh, So this is a great game to watch San Diego State, Boise State. San Diego State sits at four and one in the league, Boise State at three and one. So that will be a, a really fun one to watch. Uh, if you watch that San Diego State team on their run to the final four last year, you'll remember Jaden Ledee. Uh, he is one of the best players in the Mountain West. He is one of the best players in the country so far this season. He's on a ridiculous streak where he scored 20 plus in. Uh, one, two, three, four, five of his last six games. So he's well worth the price of admission. This is a league you should be paying attention to because uh, there's a lot of high-quality basketball out there. So no bet in that one, but one I will be watching. Let's move on to 2 o'clock, and let's go back 
to the Big 12 because I have my third and final bet of Saturday in this game, another Big 12 game here. And it's a it's a intra top 25 matchup. Number 24, Iowa State goes to Fort Worth to take on TCU. And, you know, when I look at the Big 12 for my money through these four games, nobody has probably looked consistently better over the cro- across all four games than TCU. Now they're 2 and 2 in those games, but their two losses are a road loss to Kansas in Fog Allen and there was a questionable call at the end of that game. Uh, if you watch that game, you'll remember there was a rebound, a- an elbow, Hunter Dickinson hit the floor and a flagrant one was called. It was a game changing call in that game. We can debate, you know, whether it was the right call or the wrong call, but the fact of the matter was it was a game changing call. If the call is not made, TCU very likely wins the game. They had a chance to win the game anyway, uh, but they fall just short against Kansas in fall gallon. They lose 83, 81. Then they beat Oklahoma at home. They beat Houston at home. And then midweek this week, they lose to Cincinnati on the road in overtime, 81 to 77. So I just feel like they've had the most consistent performances home and away through four games of of anybody this season. And uh, one of the big things for me in this game, and the bet I'm making here is I'm taking TCU minus three and a half hosting Iowa State is the fact that Iowa State point guard Taman Lipsy may not be available for this game. And if he is, you know, there's a chance he's not 100% as well, which I think is huge for Iowa State. I think Taman Lipsy, the sophomore point guard, is the most improved player in the Big 12, or at least the most improved player in the Big 12 among those getting major minutes and making a big impact every night. Uh, He has been fantastic this year he's a great assist guy he's a great steals guy and he's been a huge part of this team Isaac Trotter over at 24-7 who I think is is one of the best college basketball writers in the country had some really interesting stats uh, about Iowa State and Taman Lipsy so Trotter writes that Iowa State's turnover rate with Lipsy on the floor is 14%. Very good number. When he's not on the floor, that goes up to 19%. And against a team like TCU, that is very, very good at forcing turnovers, 17th nationally, 22% turnover rate, uh, I think that's going to be really big in this game. So I like TCU minus three and a half in this game. A guy who, if you haven't, seen this year who can get hot really at any time and it's not every night but in big 12 play he's put up a 24 24 point performance on six of eight from deep against kansas and then a 17 point performance on five of eight from three against cincinnati is travion tennyson He's a transfer from Texas A&M Corpus Corpus Christi, and he is a guy that when he gets hot, he is hard to stop. So give me TCU minus three and a half in this game. And TCU, look, I mean, if there is a team, and man, I bet Houston early this year, I guess it was before, I think it was actually before the season. I can't remember if it was before the season or early in conference play. 
uh, when I bet Houston. Okay, it was December 23rd. So just before conference play, I bet Houston plus 250 to win the Big 12. Now, looking at the odds right now, Kansas is plus 210. Houston is still at plus 250, and it's fluctuated. Um, it was has not always stayed steady at that plus 250. It's gone up and down. Baylor plus 460. BYU plus 1,000. Texas Tech plus 1,000. TCU plus 1,500. TCU might be an interesting one. I mean, you just hate that they have given games away from a record perspective, but, man, they still feel like a team that that can possibly be there and competing. And and Jamie Dixon has talked about, you know, they have brought in a bunch of new guys to this team. I, I mentioned Tennyson, uh, but Jameer Nelson, uh, Jameer Nelson Jr. is is a transfer from from Delaware on that team. Uh, Avery Anderson, uh, transfer from Oklahoma State. They've brought in a lot of transfer guards, and they're still kind of growing and developing. So this is a team that I could see continuing to grow and continuing to be uh, even better, growing and getting better as this season goes on. So TCU, one I'm keeping an eye out for there at plus 1,500, 15-1 odds to win the Big 12. If you look at their strength of schedule, on Ken Palm remaining strength of schedule is the one thing holding me back from doing like a half unit bet on this is they have the hardest strength of schedule, the number one strength of schedule remaining uh, of anybody in the conference. They play Baylor twice. Uh, who else do they play twice here? Baylor is the big one that they play twice. They play Iowa state twice as all as well. So the, that's a couple difficult games there. They also do have West Virginia twice, which is the team that um, one of the two teams that I think just is really out of contention for a tournament bid. It's West Virginia and Oklahoma state. They seem to be the kind of the clear cut bottom two in this conference right now. So a tough remaining schedule is what's holding me back from pulling the trigger on TCU there, but I do think they get the job done uh, this weekend against Iowa State. I am interested in Iowa State, though, you know, big picture uh, as a tournament team, as a team that can make noise in March, because Iowa State for so long has been known for defense, and that's no different this year. They're a very good defensive team once again. Uh, BYU lit them up a little bit from deep in the midweek, but you know, I think it was just kind of a bad style matchup for them. And BYU played very well in that game, but Iowa state has been known for defense. They've struggled to score and they're kind of the inverse of Baylor. And this year, I think they're just as good defensively, but they've taken a bit of a step up offensively. And I think that's in large part to the growth of Tame and Lipsy. Now in big 12 play, they are the worst three point shooting team in the conference. They're number 14. They're shooting under 22% from three. And in a weird way, that's kind of encouraging for me because they did not shoot that poorly from three in the non-conference. They're two and two. They've managed to win games while shooting poorly from three. So they are a team I'm keeping an eye on who I think could possibly make some noise in March. Uh, You might see a little regression up to a lot of times when you talk about regression, it's like back to it's falling backwards. I think you might see some regression upwards with TC with Iowa State and their three point shooting. 
Another big game, and the last one I want to talk about here, is UConn at Villanova, the, a primetime game, 8 p.m., the number one team in the country, UConn. And UConn looks like the one team right now in a year that's very wide open where it doesn't feel like there's a dominant team that may be able to establish themselves as the dominant clear-cut favorite come March. And uh, it's, a, it's a fantastic job by Hurley winning a national championship, reloading and, and putting them in this position. They lose Donovan Klingon for a couple weeks there and they survived it well. They lost that Seton Hall game where he got injured, but then they haven't lost a game since they survived his absence successfully. Now they have him back. He played 16 minutes against Creighton. They won that game and they can really now start to build for March. So this is a, a UConn team, a UConn program that really seems to be rolling right now. And they can do a little bit of everything. They can score at the rim. They can shoot from the outside. They can, uh, they, they, they're a good defensive team. Uh, they don't turn the ball over. They can grab offensive boards. Like they have a variety of ways to win, which is something that I always like. And I'm always looking for in teams that can win a national title. So with six, seven weeks left or so in the regular season here, I, I'm, I'm watching UConn, you know, can they be a team that really dominates the rest of the year and establishes itself as a heavy favorite come March. I, I think it's possible. And in a weird way, you know, if they win this game, if they can beat Marquette, if they can uh, beat Villanova rather this weekend, they'll be sitting at seven and one in the conference, depending what happens with Seton Hall, they could be tied with Seton Hall, both seven and one, but then you'll, you'd be looking at a situation where it's possible Again, if Seton Hall wins, that Villanova has three losses, Creighton has four losses, and Marquette has three losses. I mean, it, you, it, you, would, you wouldn't want to call it a done deal yet, but it, it would be looking pretty good for UConn. So I'm interested to see how they handle going on the road to Villanova. Villanova, um, you know, good home team, but they're a team that's had a bit of a strange year where – when they play anybody in the big five, when they've, they've lost a pen, they've lost to St. Joseph's and they've lost to Drexel. They haven't, you know, they haven't been consistent. They haven't been always very good. And, uh, it's been their offense that has let them down a lot at times. So, uh, interesting game to watch from a UConn perspective. And then when you look at the rest of UConn's schedule, I mean, the hardest game on their schedule, the rest of the way is they still they they have to go to Creighton and they have to go to Marquette as well. Those are games at the end of February and the beginning of March, uh, so those will be interesting to watch as well. But I, I'm curious, can UConn establish itself as the clear cut national championship? favorite when you look at the national championship odds right now they're second Purdue's eight to one UConn's ten to one uh it's going to be interesting interesting to see how those odds move and fluctuate over the next couple weeks that's the show for today enjoy the games this weekend everybody I am getting out of town I am going on a little vacation it's snowing here 
as I look out the window and record this show. So no early week show next week, but I will be back late next week to talk some hoops and look ahead to another big weekend of conference play. Enjoy those games. And until next time, keep the grill hot and the cooler cold.